Welcome to our Agile Tales, where we share the various successes and trials we've encountered as we navigate corporate levels and political waters to transform the business to be adaptable to this forever changing world. Today, we have a special guest with us, Joe Justice. Joe works globally as an interim executive for Agile organizations, bringing multinational companies twice the work in half the time. He's a TEDx speaker and a guest lecturer at both MIT and Oxford University in England. In 2006, he applied Agile to automotive manufacturing, founded Team Wikispeed and set four world records. Joe joined Tesla in 2020, where he operated Agile at Tesla from the company headquarters. Let's welcome Joe as we bring him on to explore Agile at Tesla. Hi, Joe. Thank you for being in another episode of our Agile Tales, where we're going to explore Agile at Tesla. Shall we dive right in? Absolutely, Manway. It's my honor, privilege, and pleasure to be here. JF, fantastic to be working with you. Let's have a good time and see if we can't get some really good information recorded into the podcast. I want to ask specifically about Agile. Agile said that the optimal team size is five to seven. Now, obviously, we already mentioned that Tesla has a lot more. So is Agile wrong? The goal of the Musk companies is never to be Agile or get Agile. It's to make a good future come faster, to spread the light of consciousness out among the stars. What that has done is it's clarified a lot of the Agile that doesn't work. Agile became a really profitable buzzword. I met a lot of people who had no background in any of these tactics. Maybe they had their own consulting firm for some stack that they innovated that may or may not work. It was their own thing. And they saw, well, I get paid more if I call myself an agile coach or agile consultant. I met a lot of those people and they didn't even know what agile may or may not be. They're like, I can get jobs better. I get that. It's an open market and agile is just a word. But as a result, there is a lot of junk, like anything, especially when something becomes effective, it then becomes profitable, and then it gets bloated unless you actively work against it. Well, I think that's part of why Musk is not, let's run an agile shop. Musk is like, spread the light of consciousness among the stars. <laughs> like that, that. Musk ruthlessly measures team efficiency, or actually that's automated, teams measure themselves. And out of that, I think truly a more pure and more advanced form of what I'll still call Agile. I mean, it's totally different than the Agile Manifesto already. Four values and 12 principles. That says, give the customers something to use from a couple of weeks to a couple of months with a preference to the shorter timescale. A couple of months is way too slow. So there's some things that are just out of date. But the zeitgeist of it, this lightweight methods still totally fits. So maybe I'll still call it Agile. But I'd say what Tesla is doing, I will say it's the better Agile, it's the new Agile, it's the real Agile. And the reason I say that is because it works. It's making innovation faster and cheaper than anyone else. And that's my definition of works, is innovation coming faster. And that's it. Whether you want to call it the Musk method or the part I brought, the justice method, I'd rather we call it Agile, even though there's some people saying they're Agile that aren't what Musk is doing. What's going on in Tesla is really different than a lot of Agile books written 10 years ago. I will still call it Agile because it is the same ideas. Replace a document with a conversation. 
contract first design, the technical practices that create agile test driven development it still absolutely does. If anything, you could say Tesla is more of an XP shop, an extreme programming shop or an extreme manufacturing shop. It doesn't mean it's rigorously by the book XP or XM, but it's much more about technical execution and has nothing to do with management training. One, because there's almost no management and two, there's almost no training. So it's not the traditional agile training and consulting model. It's about speed of meaningful execution. It's not like you have this big project planning department that needs to be transformed. So you don't need any transformation advisors. I continue to get Facebook, LinkedIn, Zing, and Twitter feedback saying people have been loving these podcasts. And they're saying, how do I get a job as an agile coach in Tesla? <laughs> Are you also good at programming robots? Are you also good at drilling metal? There is no agile coaching job in Tesla. That would slow them down. That would hurt Tesla. What you need to do is make better cars faster. That's it. That is it. That's the only it. Agile execution will help you do that. The Musk companies love that, but they don't want you to teach a class. They don't want you to have someone make a humid pyramid to learn trust. They've got plenty of trust. They've been building robots together all day. They've been welding together. They've got that. They don't need whatever exercise you have planned. You need to go in and build a better car faster than they're doing it now. If you can do that, you are agile. Great job. And you're full stack and you're cross-functional, all these things that agilists like. So I'd say it's the real Agile because no one cares if you've got your certification or whatever at all. And they don't use any scaling system that is currently taught on the outside world. They're all too slow for Tesla. But what they do have is ultra fast innovation. Luckily, I did put a lot of it in my most recent book, Scrum Master. But what I'd like to do is expand chapter 10 which is extreme manufacturing into its own book proper with what I then learned at Tesla. The problem is it is work. It's not like you're going to take a seminar and do what Tesla does. I do think without someone at the top who's in a funding position with a deep understanding of object-oriented architecture and human teaming, who's funding it and working in the teams, I don't think this would work. So if someone's looking how do I agilize my investments so I never have to talk to them and I get better returns? I don't know the answer either and neither does Elon. Elon doesn't know a way to do this that doesn't involve being in the teams doing the work. And Elon chooses to do it for hundred hours a week. I think you could do it for less. I think you could. And if I can, then that's my big gift for humanity. But in terms of disengaged management, how do I have my offsite be better with agile? I got nothing for you. Nothing. But if you want to get on the line and start putting innovation at the point of manufacturing, I've got a lot for you because that seems to work really well. And it's a lot more like XP or what I've branded as XM extreme manufacturing. But I'd say that's the real agile, a low cost to make change, fast pivots, fast innovation. Someone told me once that's what agile is supposed to mean. Haha. <laughs> All right, here comes another agile question. Agile also said people should be in stable teams. Tesla is anything but. 
So is this a conscious decision? Can you talk about the benefit and challenges of such a fast-paced, dynamically formed teams? Well, stable teams understand how to finish each other's sentences. They can if they're really good. And that improves everyone's speed. Stable teams also can stagnate over time and become unexciting and slow down. So there's the balance there. What I'll say the balance seems to be in Tesla is it's better if the team is stable until the job's done. And by that, I mean, you've hit the definition of done. Part of why is there's naturally a serotonin release and oxytocin release when the definition of done lights all show the heat maps as you were successful. It's like a clicker for a dog being trained. You're like, yes, that's awesome. We did it. Okay, now is this the highest value spot for me still? Let's look at the available options. Should I use the law of two feet? Should I go somewhere? Switching teams before that is demotivating to everybody. They're like, can you do, where, 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 where are they? Right? It disrupts the team. It's allowed. You can use the law of two feet. If you're like, really, I'm just dead weight here. You can, but what's encouraged is to reevaluate. Are you doing the most valuable thing you could be doing at the cusp? when the definition of done is met. So you don't leave your group in the lurch. And that's why in practice, it happens about every three hours because a lot of these missions are so heavily automated and supported by robotics that they can be done in three hours, which is nuts. I mean, these are two year change cycles in other companies and they are happening in three hours, but you want to reevaluate at the cusp. Very often people will choose to move as a group you don't have to, but you'll choose. I ended up working with the same people many times because we were able to complement each other well. So we self-organized into groups with a lot of the same people. Not always, but many times. In fact, there's two people I remember really clearly that I talked about in an earlier podcast. Three, actually, that are mentioned in episode one for those who want to listen to that one next. So in terms of stable teams, I think it's useful to test that theory in a company that is aggressively innovating and say, what is actually ramping up the pace of innovation? It seems to be my current theory. What I'm observing is when the definition of done light goes green, it's fine. You can reevaluate. That's a low expense way to choose to change. Then what are some stuff that people call agile that actually slow down the pace of innovation? There's a lot of meetings that people call agile and the agile manifesto doesn't define even one meeting. I'm not saying the agile manifesto is perfect, but it doesn't define even one meeting or event or activity or PSI or train or anything. Those are valuable. If your company is slow, the Joe's theory of agile transformation, there's a lot of companies that take more than a year to get products out, especially hardware and some even software more than a year between deployments. To get to a year, there's this thing called the Scaled Agile Framework, and it's actually pretty awesome at that. Scaled Agile Framework has an answer for almost everything. What it does do really well is take an annual budget, which by definition is incredibly unagile, because think about all the change, chip shortages, boats stuck in the canals within a year. Oh, but I didn't budget for that. Well, guess what? Reality happened. But what Scaled Agile Framework does really well is take a year-long budget or even longer and split it up in these big room planning events 
into usually quarterly events and then maybe even sprints inside there, but they're not really agile because you don't have inspect and adapt power. It's underneath that larger budget. What it does do though, is give some more visibility into where the bottlenecks are and the company can choose to start addressing those bottlenecks with extreme manufacturing or extreme programming or technical practices and starting to dissolve silos if they choose to. So the scaled agile framework can help you get to less than a year releases. Then what Scrum superpower is, some people say if a company's fast at Scrum, whether they do any of the three, five, three of Scrum or anything, which that's a non-definition. That's simply saying good means Scrum. You can't teach that. <laughs> but what Scrum actually is, is three, five, three. What three, five, three get you, three accountabilities or roles, five events, three artifacts or outputs. What that gets you is potentially releases every month. It can do that. And the meetings already become unnecessary when you start to move to sprints of less than a month. Yeah, I like one week sprints, but by then, do you really need sprint planning the same way? Only if you're planning tasks and a mature team shouldn't be planning tasks. So it breaks apart pretty quickly. Beyond that, there's actually a void area largely in the world. Beyond that, shorter than 30 day releases, you get continuous delivery, continuous release and DevOps, which are not as well defined. And that might be a good thing, but it makes it hard to replicate it intentionally. Like you could apprentice in a company with good CI CD, like join the virtual mobs at Hunter in Silicon Valley, you could learn it, but that's a pretty expensive and lengthy way to understand CI CD and elegant DevOps to reliably get less than one month releases or even continuous. And then there's what Tesla is doing, which is basically open space technology and mob. I think that's what agile actually is. I am calling it group agile. Now I'm trying to put a name on it. I want to call it Tesla agile, but I don't own Tesla. I want to call it the Musk method because it is, but I don't own Musk. That'd be a much easier to market phrase, but I can't lay claim to that. And what if Tesla changes and becomes sub awesome? I don't know if I want to link the concept to that. So for now I'm calling it group agile because it's short and I think people understand it. And that's what it is. You have these groups working on the agenda, open space, they're open space sessions and the groups are running mob. Like Woody Zool teaches, it's straight up mob. It kills everything. It crushes everybody. And you have company as a service teams if you need a service. And they're just other mobs pulling their agenda item. There's no difference. It is flat. Musk isn't king of anything. But there has to be someone funding it. This is the interesting trick that I think a lot of flat organization people don't respect enough. Is there is someone funding it and they have to choose to keep it flat. That's a very high effort. So that person has to have a really good socially minded heart that is uncommon in the world. And I do think that's what you need. I think a charismatic leader who wants a flat organization and understands object oriented design and so you can have parallel execution is required. There's thousands of those people. A lot of them aren't in a position to where they have a hundred million dollars us to invest. A lot of them are in Tiwala in Bangalore. You got to find these people and invest in them then we're going to have much cooler businesses. I think that's the real agile, the agile that works. Open space works. Lean coffee works. If you're going to have a conversation, use lean coffee method. Jim Benson is so amazing. And Tonine as well. If you're going to run a sprint, it's a lean startup. 
it results in at least customer feedback, period, end of sentence. Otherwise, it's not a sprint. That's the real Agile. The book Rework said all of this in really aggressive terms. I love it. It's like Musk actually uses the book Rework would be a good way to say it. Okay, well, then how many people did this scale to then? Oh, it's by the way, over 100,000 now. Ooh, over 100,000. Okay. So, how many people were there at Tesla when you worked there? And how many people are there now? You said over 100,000 now? Fremont Mothership, it's just over 10,000. And that's where I was most of the time in the greater Musk ecosystem of Musk W-2s, like Musk employees, not even including suppliers, it's over 100,000. So people working in this method in the greater whole, it's over 100,000. In the physical space where I spent most of my time, it was over 10,000. Wow, okay. By the way, how did Tesla evolve with remote working? I mean, during the pandemic? There's a preference to be within touching distance or three meters tops of the materials and the machines. There's a preference for that, but that's a preference, especially when people weren't understanding what COVID was at all right in the beginning. No one was going to force you to come out of your house. There was a period where there was lockdown, stay at home orders or curfews and Tesla did not say violate your stay at home orders or curfews. So a lot of work went online, whether anyone wanted it or not. What I'll say is manufacturing is not yet at the state where you can innovate it remotely. Really, really lean operations can make the same thing in what are called lights out operations where they don't have lights, just humans aren't involved. It's a shipping container with solar panels on the top in the desert, and it's just making widgets. Really elegant, lean operations can do that. But to innovate that process, to improve it or improve the good, that is not yet a lights out operation. Now, that's the real disruptor, and I don't think many people get it. That's the real disruptor of Optimus Subprime, of the Tesla bot, of having a remote physical presence. So you can be on Mars or on the moon or on Starship or at home, and you can be innovating physical work. That's the gap. Having something that's approximately human-ish size, strength, shift length, that can perform on your behalf remotely and largely autonomously, but you can help it remote. That will be the enabler. And that's not available in bulk for other companies or even Tesla in bulk yet. Until that happens, some work just shut down when it was stay-at-home orders, when we really weren't sure what COVID was or how to even try to contain it yet. We didn't know. So that work stopped. What could continue is software. Remote check-in is still remote. 3D design, virtualizations, those could continue. But all of those are based on a fast hardware feedback loop. So the priority was get back into the factory to validate these concepts. Imagine you're an artist and you're thinking about painting really hard for a month. Well, until you get back to the canvas, you're not really sure if it shakes out. It's the same when you have a hardware-centered operation like SpaceX, like Tesla. So remote work happened. A lot of it did stop. People did the very best they could. But without that hardware feedback loop, a lot of bad tangents were executed for too long. A lot of things had to be scrapped because there wasn't the feedback loop. 
Now, what will solve that is something like Optimus Subprime, the Tesla bot that doesn't exist yet when you want innovation. That makes sense. Now, during the pandemic, the supply chain is also significantly impacted. So how does Tesla deal with it? They use a piece of software called AutoBidder. AutoBidder does in seconds mass polls to check who is interested and at about what price and capabilities and quality track record. It's actually not that complex, but it was a massive investment in machine learning to deal with flux in procurement. Now that just means you get the thing, then what do you do with it? Here is a public story that really explains the benefit of Agile at Tesla. The chips that control the lumbar support adjust in the seat were unavailable. And that chip actually controlled a bunch of other stuff too. They were not available at any price. Those suppliers were not participating in making those chips right now. Autobidder found another chip that did most of what that chip did and it was the best they could do. And so they got it immediately. Well, it needs firmware, it needs software to work. In most companies, that's a multi-year initiative for firmware for hardware. Tesla did it in two weeks because they're running these short cycles. They're running basically aggressive XP. They deployed firmware in two weeks, but the chips were different. They weren't able to incorporate lumbar support anymore. Well, there's real-time analytics that showed lumbar support was almost never touched ever. Anyone who owns a Tesla, there's analytics on every control in every Tesla per Tesla. And they found it was almost never used. It would be minimum disruption. If the chip had to give up something, lumbar support was a pretty good choice. So the website was updated, cross-functional marketing, even new photographs of the interior of the car, not showing the lumbar support button in a day. Push live, here's the car. By the way, cars as of this order date don't have lumbar support, adjust, that's it. Other companies idled their production. They didn't have the chip they were counting on. It would be a multi-year phase to revalidate and write new firmware it wasn't in this year's budget to write new firmware for a new chip. That'll need to be in next year's budget. So these plants were just idled. Or in some cases, production happens, but with cars without chips and they're put in stadiums, sports stadiums full of other companies' cars, getting rained on, getting weathered on, getting bird poo. So when you do buy that car, it's actually been out in the elements for in some cases over a year. Is that really the new car you wanted? But that's what it is. I mean, they clean them, but who knows what mice or spiders lived in there before? I don't know. That's a thing. So the idea of this agility where you're not making annual budgets, instead you have fund spending trends, allows you to do things like write new firmware today. You don't have to ask anyone, should I write new firmware? Of course you should. Can you? Let's do it. I mean, you don't have to ask anybody if you're capable. I see there's an opportunity if we write new firmware. I will try to help. It's automatic. There's no king of prioritization. There's no big room planning. There's none of that. There's just an agenda and you use the law of two feet. That meant Tesla was able to respond to this very dynamic situation in two weeks. Now, a test of an agile company is in a changing environment, you should have a competitive edge. Tesla has increased the number of cars sold and increase the capability to build more cars, other companies have reduced the number of cars sold. 
and reduce the number of cars they're able to produce. And that's it. That's just the fact. Wow, you gave me lots of stuff I need to wrap my head around. Yeah, same here. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. So let's wrap this up and let's see if we can get Joe back to come again for our next round of questions. That's all the time we have today. Next time, we'll pick up where we left off as we continue to explore Agile at Tesla with Joe Justice. You don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening to our Agile Tales. Feel free to ping us on our agiletales.com.